1: Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. quince.com slash style.
0: Hello and welcome to Made by Mamas, the podcast. I'm Zoe. And I'm Georgia. And we're here talking all things parenthood. You know, the real conversations. Tips and tricks. Products we love. And brands we can't live without. Let's get into it. So after last Friday's um, Q&A that we did all around sex, intimacy, date night, romance, um, you know, how you guys are feeling about your current partners, parent partners hopefully your life partners but let's just see how that goes um we thought today we would do um a follow-on q a with one of our favorite guests we've had her on before um somebody that can discuss in depth um contraception there were loads and loads of messages that came in off the back of last week's and we put QA box up and people were desperate for this q a so we're very excited i'm taking this podcast solo again because georgia is still away suntanning herself um She's not my friend anymore. In fact, it might just be me solo going forward. Uh, let's welcome Dr. Brooke to the podcast.
1: Thank you so much for having me back. I've been so excited to come back again and chat to you. Uh, and this is obviously one of my favorite topics.
0: Yeah, we're really we're really thrilled to have you back on, actually, because um, you know Georgia and I have got different situations with our um, roots of contraception. Should we should we say? Um, Does has had a vasectomy. I'm in early menopause anyway, um, and Georgia is not really doing anything at the moment, so it's kind of of slightly playing with fire so it's um and it seems actually a lot of people that listen to this podcast are kind of in various different boats with how they feel about it so there were loads of questions that came in today um but do you i guess we'll just kind of kick things off with what's the, what's the most common question around contraception
1: the commonest question i get asked what contraception should i choose and i think that's a really difficult one because my answer is always that it depends on where you are in your stage of life at the moment and what contraception you might choose now might be different in a couple of years so there's a kind of a few things that we often factor in for example what are you planning with regards to your fertility? So are you planning to have kids in the next two months or in the next, not for another five years, that might influence which contraception you choose and also how are your periods? Because some forms of contraception we choose can help with your periods and can help with that. So that might lead us towards a hormonal option versus a non-hormonal option. So yeah, I think... It's, it's a difficult one to ask. That's that's probably the commonest question that I get. So I like yeah. to explore a little bit more about someone's own lifestyle. Are you able to take a pill every day? Or are you quite forgetful, live, leading quite a chaotic lifestyle? So yeah, there's yeah. lots of uh, there's lots of different factors that might influence which one you might choose.
0: Okay, well, I think we should get into the questions because I, I thought we were going to get hundreds and we, we have. Um, we'll kick things off with this one. What is the difference in the two types of COIL? Trying to find the right contraception after baby is so hard. And that's from Katie.
1: Fabulous question. Uh, because I think the coils are a really good choice of contraception for most people. And that's because they're a form of long-acting but reversible contraception. And to me, I think that's that's really something that we a lot of us should aim for because it gives you long-lasting contraception but it's also something that it doesn't mean it's forever Uh, so there's two types there's the copper coil uh, which doesn't contain any hormones but it contains some copper in it so it's just a type of metal versus the hormonal coil there's actually a few different types now but the commonest one most people will hear is the Mirena coil and that contains a hormone called progesterone and so um, the benefit of the hormonal coil is that the hormones that it contains can be um, can be useful to control your period so if that's a problem for you that can help a lot of people find that if they've got the marina coil and they don't get any periods at all or they might only get light periods. Whereas the copper coil wouldn't really have any impact on your on your periods. It's a completely hormone-free option. So that's actually great because a lot of people feel like, I don't want to be filling my body up with hormones. I'm really worried about them. So if you're somebody that is worried about hormones, you're not using any contraception at the moment, actually think about the copper coil because that might be a really good long-acting but reversible form of contraception. So you have a coil put Brilliant. in and the copper coil can even last up to 10 years. Take it out. Your your fertility is the same as it would be if you hadn't had the coil.
0: So I am, next week, going to have the Myrina coil fitted for progesterone because I am progesterone sensitive. So when I take my HRT, so it's two weeks of estrogen and then two weeks of the combi-estrogen progesterone, I get really weird symptoms during that 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 period. So we're going to try something new and I'm going to have the coil fitted, which I'm really excited about. My periods are going to completely stop anyway. I only get a weird fake bleed anyway. Um, but I'm just, yeah, I haven't, uh, yeah, I'm quite kind of, well not fearful but a little bit anxious around what's going to happen and is it going to be painful but then I'm like well I've I've had you know two babies so (laughs) yeah absolutely it's
1: going to be fine absolutely they're really straightforward to put in it's just like having a smear test really you can get a bit of cramping afterwards um but especially if you've had babies before would usually be quite straightforward and we definitely do use myrena coils quite often in HRT in managing people who have menopausal symptoms and the main reason we actually use it with HRT is because if we're giving you estrogen to help with some of the symptoms of menopause then we try to protect your uterus um, from getting any kind of abnormalities in the lining of the uterus we give you a a hormone like progesterone and a a really nice way to deliver that hormone is with the myrena coil because it's a local hormone it just stays in your uterus rather than going into your bloodstream giving you the other side effects of progesterone yes
0: I'm so excited I'm going to let everyone listening know how I get on as well okay so here's just just a statement the men just need to get the snip Uh, thoughts on that I'm very much for this I
1: often get patients that come see me they they come see me about maybe female sterilization they know they don't want any more kids but they really want something that's going to give them a really long-lasting form of contraception and I say well actually the best form that's going to protect mm-hmm. you the best has got the lowest failure rate is the vasectomy. And on mm-hmm. top of that, especially when it comes to bearing the children, having the pregnancies, all the symptoms of periods, all our lives, we women go through so much. I think that mm-hmm. once you've come to the point when your family is complete, then it's absolutely a great thing that the, that, that your partner can do for their family and getting, getting a vasectomy. It's, it's lower risk than any female contraception. It's got less complications associated with it and it's actually more effective. So it's got a lower failure rate. Uh, so it is a very good, um, Kind of option if you're absolutely certain you don't want any more children although unlike again unlike female sterilization male sterilization can be reversed although we never want to make any promises it's not 100 percent. if that man mm-hmm. was to change his mind it can be reversed although not on the nhs
0: yeah so really interesting so dozer went and he's had a vasectomy and super proud of him for doing that and thank you so grateful but really amazingly when he went and sat in the waiting room and the doctor called him in he sat him down and he said you're 34 years old go away Go away. Go think about it. And he was like, I've got three children. I don't want any more kids. And he was like, I'm not doing it on you. You need to go away. And as he got in, it was like, no, no, I've come here to get my vasectomy. And the doctor was like, you're way too young. Situation will change. And he was like, no, I want to do this for my partner. Um, so he got into the car, drove out of the um, of the doctor's surgery and then turned around and went back and was like, you need to do it today. But they didn't want to. It was interesting.
1: It, it, does, it does happen. I think a lot of people feel like, well, why should the doctor judge whether I am able to make this decision you know if I've come to a certain age I've had my children why should they judge uh what you know what it is um, that I want to do with my own body and I, it's a really difficult one because I think I I've been in that situation where I've been presented with someone that wants to have the sterilization done and I I will often try to dissuade them that's not usually me judging them or me saying you don't really know what you're talking about because that might be how it comes across but what it actually is is part of that conversation is put so in doubt in something one's mind and seeing if they are absolutely certain because it is irreversible it should be considered irreversible and so we do have and I have known it we you know that the the whole private market for reversal of vasectomy wouldn't exist if there weren't people that do come back later on and want it to be changed so we do know that people do change their mind your circumstances might change you might sadly lose a child you might change partner and have somebody else so there are situations that may change that so I wouldn't ever go for something permanent because there are Excellent forms of contraception that have the same efficacy rates, so or the same success rate as sterilisation. Mm-hmm. So why would mm-hmm. you, why would you choose this permanent one? Where you could
0: choose a long-term reversible one instead. That's a great answer. Can the mini pill help with dryness? Um, I, and then, and then, and then she's put. I feel. And then it's, there's water, so maybe wet since being on it three months. When people complain of vaginal dryness, there's two main scenarios
1: that they may, may experience that in their life. It's pretty common postpartum. So especially if you're breastfeeding, but generally postpartum or during the menopause, and it's both due to the same reason, which is that your oestrogen levels in your body drop. Mm-hmm. So when we have low oestrogen in our body, then one of the symptoms can be vaginal dryness. Mm-hmm. So what do we do? How do we replace that? Well, usually we try to increase your oestrogen levels. So it wouldn't be the the mini pill is progesterone only so that on its own usually wouldn't be my main treatment for somebody who has who has vaginal dryness i would recommend a pill or a cream that contains estrogen instead um, okay. perhaps that person might have experienced that side effect that they consider beneficial but there's lots of kind of other situations where your kind of your vaginal discharge might increase it may not be due to the mini pill but if, you, if vaginal dryness is a problem for you there are estrogen creams that you can use that can help that
0: age 41 how long more is contraception needed until perimenopause question mark very good question
1: again i think a lot of us think about our contraception in our like 20s when everyone's trying to not get pregnant uh, and but then in kind of in that later phase of life you might also not want to get pregnant and it's often not not spoken about enough um so when you are going through the menopause the menopause, menopause literally means uh, when your periods have stopped for a year so you've been more than mm-hmm. one year without any periods now if you go through the menopause after the age of 45 then we would generally leave it um a year or even two years afterwards to have contraception so you definitely need two years if your menopause was before the age of 45 so you've had no periods Definitely for certain for two years, then it would be safe to stop contraception. Because, as I'm sure you're aware, in that perimenopausal Mm -hmm. time, especially if you suffer with premature ovarian insufficiency where your Mm -hmm. menopause has happened earlier you can sporadically release an egg and that you can get pregnant. So if you, if you don't want to get pregnant, you would still need contraception until you know that it's been at least two years without any periods.
0: Yeah, exactly. And we, we've had endless conversations myself and my doctor around this, just that actually, you know, I haven't gone through the menopause. I'm perimenopausal. So I could still, you know, that's why Dozer went and got the vasectomy because there are still some eggs left. There just aren't that many. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Um, Does taking the contraceptive pill whilst breastfeeding affect supply?
1: So there's a lot of kind of misinformation out there about what what affects uh, your milk supply. Generally, the, the combined pill is safe to take after you've you're three weeks after giving birth. Um, it Anecdotally, some people say that it can affect their milk supply, but there's also a lot of things that you can do to increase your supply. So I wouldn't put it entirely down to the contraceptive pill. Um, and things like staying hydrated make sure you feed baby on demand especially if it's in those early days should um lots of skin to skin time all those things should be more effective at increasing your your milk supply than the combined pill can decrease it but yes there can yeah. be a slight effect but i wouldn't expect it to be kind of the, the biggest overall effect
0: the one thing that really worked for both georgia and i was taking fenugreek um you get it from holland and barrett i think i've said it right yeah um but yeah that that was kind of done the herbal route but it really did help it really did help both of us yeah, and, and obviously staying hydrated as well. Every time I breastfed, I just had a massive glass of water. Yeah. Um, okay. So many myths about the pill. Is it safe to to take for years and years? There are a lot of myths,
1: uh, and I think one of the things that most people worry about is will the pill affect my fertility when you say is it safe to take for for many years I think a lot of people worry about will it make me infertile if I've been taking it for 10-15 years the answer to that is no it shouldn't affect your long-term fertility although a lot of people find that it takes time for their for their periods to kind of settle back into a normal pattern after they come off the pill so it can take six or even nine months to kind of for, for them to Become normal again, and until you're having regular periods, so every sort of twenty-eight days, give or take, until that's kind of settled back into its pattern, you would wouldn't necessarily be as fertile as you will be when they are in a regular pattern. The other mm. things people worry about with taking the combined pill for a long period of time is the increased risk of things like breast cancer. There are risks associated with that. It's still considered a small risk, which is why we offer it to a lot of people. But we also are more careful these days about our patient selection, so who we give it to, which is why it's really important that that you give all the information to your doctor, especially when they're first prescribing it to you. If you have any family history of, for example, breast cancer, you've ever had breast cancer yourself. Also, other things like whether you suffer from migraines. There's lots of different things that might Increase the risk of blood clots with the with the pill as well. So if you don't have any risk factors, then the chances are those things are very unlikely to happen, even if you take the pill. But if you've got anything Mm -hmm. that increases those risks already, there may be a better form of contraception for you.
0: And and just like Dr. Brooke just said, if you are thinking about having a baby, or you're having, you've gone on it, and then you're thinking about having another baby, I think I think it's really good to know what what your fertility is doing because obviously the, the combi pill can mask things. You know, it's feeding your body estrogen. You're having a fake bleed every month, but actually, you know, what's your egg supply? I mean, that happened to my sister. So, and I think she was so, she was on it for 17 years or something, had no idea that actually she was perimenopausal in her twenties because she was taking estrogen every single month.
1: It, that's exactly it. Yeah. I think a lot of people mm. say to me, "Shall I just come up, Would it be better if I don't take any hormones? Yeah. Now, my answer to that is take the hormones. They can be helpful, but exactly as you say, the thing about taking those hormones is it you're not even though you might have a bleed every month when you take the pill you're not having a period that's not a normal period it's called a withdrawal bleed so you don't actually know what your underlying fertility is what your underlying periods are like it's making your periods lighter than usual you don't know if you've developed fibroids over the last few years or endometriosis or other conditions so having a break from time to time does give you a chance to get to know your body but just be aware that being on no contraception uh, you might kind of follow the natural family planning route and and, and learn a bit about your body's signs of ovulation but it's not as reliable as having proper contraception so you may just need to have a hormone free option for a little while while you get to know your body Um, and then you can always go back to the hormones but having a break every so often can be helpful to work out what's going
0: on we'll be right back after this short break Welcome back to this episode of Made by Mamas. Now, where were we? Can we talk about the other forms of contraception? So the natural cycle, and there's loads of apps that you can now kind of download to your phone. And Georgia was doing it for a while, I think. Can we kind of break those ones down? Because I'm really interested in those. So let's forget about the pill. Let's forget about the coil. What else can we do?
1: Absolutely. These methods, so uh, for example, some of the apps that you mentioned, they rely on some of the indicators our body can give that we're about to ovulate. So if we know our bodies very, very well, we know that our our temperature will go up a little bit just before when we ovulate certain changes in your in your vaginal discharge and all those kind of things they give you a very good signal of when you're going to ovulate and when you ovulate if you then have sex you'll you may get pregnant each month there's about a 20 to 25 percent chance each month so very helpful if you're planning a pregnancy. You can work out when you're when's when's the good time to really, you know, go get get together with go your partner. For go for it. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> and if you are not trying to have a baby, the idea is you can use that same information about when you're ovulating to know when to avoid and, and to avoid those times. Now, the main problem is you can, your body can do funny things. As we've all known, you put one, one month, your period might come a, a few days earlier than you expected it. A few days later, you might be really stressed. You might be, you know, traveling or anything can affect yeah. those. And basically you you might ovulate spontaneously a few days early, a few days late. So, just using your body's clues alone has got quite a high failure rate that you might get pregnant on the, by, by having sex on those days when you think you're not ovulating, but you are. The apps aim to make it a bit more reliable. So if you are tracking your temperature every single day and they're building a picture of your averages and what your kind of day to day variation is, that they can predict it a little bit more reliably. Now, my problem is we're we're all human. We're not robots. We can't necessarily remember to put the information in an app every single day. You know, I'm a doctor. I still forget to take antibiotics if I give in pills, even though I tell everybody to take pills at the same time every single day. And so you might forget some days you might take your temperature a couple of hours later. There's a lot of variation that can mean this method, which might be, reliable if used absolutely perfectly it may not be quite as reliable as they say and so i know there are a lot of babies that have been conceived unexpectedly of people using these apps they they put a lot of money into their social media advertising and that sort of thing personally i don't think we should be advertising contraception i think it's something that we need to do in conjunction with our doctor, go have a chat about our own preferences. Sometimes the conclusion might be, OK, well, maybe you should try, a, na- a you know, natural family planning, but it's something that you should kind of have a good understanding of all the risks. To me, the main risk of using that method is an unexpected pregnancy. And if, that, if you're at that point when you're like, yeah, pregnancy happens, pregnancy happens, that's fine for me, then go ahead and use it. But if it's something that you might consider, you know, terminating, it might have a big effect on your life if you get pregnant un- unexpectedly, then maybe choose a more reliable form of contraception and there are other hormone free options
0: brilliant um the pill is causing pigmentation on my face oh gosh katie i feel you uh, any pills that won't do this
1: i'm not an expert on it in all of the different types of pills that are available a lot of them do have different different side effects and it, it may not be that the, the pill itself is causing pigmentation it's most likely increasing your sensitivity to the sun so with anything like that i'd recommend really we should all be using a high factor sun cream every single day so that if you can block out the effect of the sun, then it's less likely mm-hmm. that you would pigment with anything. Uh, but I think that is something that you should discuss with your doctor and probably look at in more detail because it
0: may not be just due to the pill. Also, you can drop me a message, Katie, because I have been through all of that and more with the melasma for the last eight years. So yeah, I can definitely give you some advice on it. But like Dr. Brooks said, have a chat with your doctor and also go and see a dermatologist who sort of specializes in that because there are things that will help. In fact, since I've started taking HRT, um, which is obviously hormonal, I'm still using these creams that I'm using. It hasn't come back. Touch wood. So lots of people kind of asking for male. Forms of contraception, or the forms of are there forms of male contraception? About two or three questions around that. Apart from the snip,
1: there are. You probably read about it in the news. Condoms, yeah. No, there's condoms definitely. You probably read about it in the news. As every few years, they do kind of talk about the male pill. The male pill is it going to be the kind of the cure all to everything? I think there will. It's very likely to be available over the next couple of years, but it's not something that's widely available at the moment. And I think. It might be right for some people. It may not be right for others. For for us women who want to be in control of our own fertility, sometimes, I, I, I don't know, not everyone will leave it down to the man because, you know, you are you know, how reliable can they be? Will they be taking it every day? Maybe if you know your partner really w- really well, you'll know that that, w- that form might work well for you. But it may be something that if you want to be in control of your fertility, that you continue to need to take. It June is such an
0: interesting discussion, this, because when we take the pill, we are in control of our own bodies. We know exactly what it's doing. When we stop taking the pill, we then have a chat with our partner about it. And then potentially we're starting to you know, start a family. But basically this is, we're relying on somebody else, forget about male, whatever, we're relying on somebody else to take a pill so that we don't get pregnant. And I just would never, ever, ever do that because I have to I have to be in control of my own body. But that's just me. I feel similarly. I, I'm all for kind of that equality
1: and giving options out there. And I think with options, then what, what's right for one person is, diff- is different for somebody else. And with a long-term form of male contraception, that uh, kind of reversible form, that might be better where you know that they've gone and kind of done something that can be reversed and that it doesn't rely on them remembering every day and you don't need to worry or, or nag them or be concerned about whether they... Are reliable or not but to yeah. me a male pill still there's too much variability as there is with the female pill about kind of how often you're taking it are you taking it at the right time each day do you, do you miss a pill if they miss a pill what are they going to do as a result of that are they going to panic or are they going to be like yeah whatever uh so I think yeah I think there is definitely more to it than just the medical science behind it
0: yeah it's so interesting I'd love to have a, a, like a bigger discussion around this because there's the there's sort of ethical debate about it as well isn't there which Probably we'll say for another time. Uh, someone's put, is the Marina coil really less likely to impact mood versus hormones in the pill? That comes down to, as I mentioned earlier, how the hormone is being delivered. So it is
1: kind of generally the same hormone. It's progesterone that you're getting, whether it's in the Mirena coil or it's in the combined pill or the mini pill that they all contain progesterone. It's the same hormone in the implant, in the injection, and the way that it's delivered is different. And so if you're delivering the hormone just to the uterus, the expectation is there's less absorbed into the bloodstream, so it's less likely to cause those side effects, like Bloating and you know affecting your your appetite and all those kind of things. Now some people might still say they still experience those progesterone effects, but it is generally a less a lesser proportion of people who experience those side effects where your hormone is locally delivered.
0: Does the progesterone affect breast soreness around periods? Because my breasts never used to get them at all, but they are absolutely excruciating the couple of days before my period and then the first two or you know my whatever you want to call it, my fake period. Um, Yeah, they're just really, really painful. And I never had that before. Is that the progesterone?
1: Yeah, generally all of those kind of symptoms that we attribute to the like PMS, premenstrual syndrome, are basically due to the progesterone part of our cycle. So things like breast tenderness, mood swings, feeling bloated and water retention, a lot of that is due to the progesterone part. So yeah, that can be the the problematic part for a lot of people. And that explains some of the symptoms you might get if you take the pill.
0: How to talk to a 17-year-old who is scared of the pill uh, due to overreading on Google. Uh, apparently, she's worried that it's going to impact her fertility. My
1: advice for anyone who's worried about any one form of contraception is to realize that there are so many other options out there. And you might be talking to your 17 year old about the pill because that might be the one that you feel comfortable with that you took for a long time. But again, that isn't necessarily the right option for for everybody, especially someone who's, who's kind of 17. Their periods might still be a bit all over the place. They may not want to be um, kind of seen taking it. Lots of different reasons it might feed into that perhaps if it's contraception they're specifically looking for, they might choose a different option. So, Obviously, I would always say don't believe everything you read on the internet and that social media is not necessarily Mm. the best place to get your information from. But of course, a 17 year old is going to be getting a lot of information from there and from their friends. So what I would encourage you to do, especially if you've got that kind of a relationship with your daughter, is to go along to the doctor together uh, or to the family planning clinic. And then... As long as they feel comfortable, if she feels comfortable to go on her own and really talk about her own kind of, you know, her relationship, everything else without you there, that might be better. But to have a good choice to talk through all of the options, because there are so many different ways to um, to give contraception.
0: The Myrhena coil or the Copper coil, the coils sound like a really good route, actually. They weren't that available when I was, were they around when I was 16? 17 How have they been around for a while they have been around for a while but certainly there used to be this kind of belief
1: that well you shouldn't really have it unless you've had children so probably right. when you first kind of were looking at contraception you wouldn't have been encouraged unless you kind of had a vaginal birth before now we very much understand and and, and there's been a little bit of changes kind of to the design of the coils themselves that it is still it is safe to insert them even if someone um hasn't hasn't had a vaginal birth before it can be a little bit more comfortable and sometimes um might need to help to open up the cervix a little bit but with a little bit of pain relief before it can be absolutely possible for anybody to have have a coil yeah. um, for contraception
0: what about the uh, i'm saying this right because there's a word that sounds very similar to it. But I had the implant in my arm. Mm-hmm. What's that called? Yeah, that's the, the we call that the implant. Uh, and that's okay. got just progesterone in it. Yeah, and I bled for eight months. I basically spotted for eight months. Eventually I just took it out because I was like, I can't deal with this any longer. That wasn't great. That is the single biggest downside of the implant. Um, exactly their
1: irregular patterns of bleeding. Some people find that
0: uh
1: they have that at the beginning. For most people, it settles down. Um, so after about three to six months, it will settle down. That's probably why you ended up giving it eight Months because your doctor probably said, Don't worry, don't worry, don't worry, it will settle down. Now we we can help with that as well. You can um we can give you some pills to take to help settle the the bleeding down in the in the meantime while you wait for, you, for your body to kind of get used to the implant. But mm-hmm. it is it is the most effective form of contraception, actually. It's got the lowest failure rate out of all of them. And They're the nice not. thing, yeah, yes, oh, yeah. 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 And the nice thing about it is it's it can stay for three years. But there's some downsides. It's a bit visible. So uh, because it it gets, it's a little rod that gets put in by your elbow and it's not, obviously visible but and uh, but to people that probably know what it is they might notice it so it's a bit more visible than say a coil which is inside your uterus and the main other downside is that it can give you irregular bleeding and so uh a lot of people might try it choose not to go ahead with it because it doesn't settle down or just choose to avoid it completely because of that this
0: is from jody the pill does it really affect your mood and libido we haven't had a lot of uh Uh, questions about libido but what's your stance on that libido is complex there's lots of factors that affect our libido uh our our self-image
1: our relationship our mental state you know any history of depression anxiety lots of different things but our hormones do play a big part testosterone is actually the one that we we all forget that women have testosterone as well. And Mm -hmm. it's often if we have low testosterone levels that affects the libido more. And often if if libido is your concern, then you can choose a pill that contains a little bit of testosterone as well. So speak to your doctor about that. It may not be that the pill itself is affecting your libido, but you may have a lower level of testosterone, you could choose a pill that does kind of replace that for you. Um, But yeah did you did you was the other point mood as well Mood yeah, yeah. and so uh, like i said before any uh, progesterone will will affect your mood often often settles down, but it can be a problem for some people. For people who often suffer from, for example, PMS, and mood swings is a big problem, it's actually having the steady balance of progesterone over the course of the month, that, like when you take the pill, that can actually help with the mood swing. So it can be a treatment for that
0: as well as sometimes causing it. So interesting. Okay, I just want to pop back to vasectomies quickly because um, there were lots of questions around how do we talk to our partners um, about having the vasectomy what is the best thing that we can say to them do we give them information you know are we gonna get do we give them the information where can they get it done how do they go about it so in a nutshell what's the sort of best approach
1: every relationship will be very different if it was me and if I was at that point where I wanted to have that conversation I think the first thing to do would obviously be having that very definitive conversation is do we would we ever have any more children do we want to have any more children and once you've reached that conclusion it's well if we're absolutely sure now that that having another pregnancy would be a disaster for us. What can we do to avoid it? And discussing all the options. So not necessarily putting it straight onto them, having that kind of conversation about how can we prevent another pregnancy, which involves sterilization. And then perhaps going to the doctor together can be really good because then they can talk to you about both options. Mainly we'll be talking female sterilization or male sterilization, uh, but also give the doctor the opportunity to present you with other like long-term forms of contraceptions, as we've mentioned earlier. And so I think if you have that kind of a joint approach where it's not just one of you putting it onto the other then they they can get all that information at the same time of view, and you can continue that conversation afterwards, and give it plenty of time to think about. Because again, it's not it's not a decision you should be making in in an instant. We sometimes we have people when they're pregnant, who especially if it's an un, unexpected pregnancy, or uh, they just knew that they wanted this many children and now no more. They ask us for sterilization during their cesarean section, which is something we can do, but you have to ask and discuss it at least three times during your pregnancy before we'll arrange it. And that's because we want to know that it's not just a one-off. If you come to the day of your cesarean section and say, oh, by the way, whilst you're there, can you just cut my tubes? We would never agree to that because there are so many different reasons why somebody might choose that in that situation. Sounds really easy, sounds straightforward, one operation in one go, but actually the the chances of regret are much higher. There can be pressure from a partner, lots of different reasons why someone might just kind of as a one-off say, can I have a sterilization? So we need to have it documented several different occasions that you really, really want that.
0: Okay, perfect, great. Uh, And just one more. Um, Period disappeared after COVID vaccine, came off the pill and now they've come back. What do I do? Well, it sounds
1: like this person is not happy about that. a lot of people were worried that we do know that lots of different things impact our periods like uh, travel, um, kind of going in and out of different time zones, stress, weight loss, and also certain vaccinations. So it's not just the COVID vaccines, but lots of different vaccinations, anything where our immune system gets a bit activated temporarily can affect our cycles. So and we also know that it's Temporary, and so yes. for this person, they might have had a, a few nice months uh, if that was good for them. That they had less periods. Other people had more periods. Other people had heavier periods. It can affect everyone in different ways. So, what the chances are if it's now settled, it's you've gone back to your normal periods. So, if they say, if they're saying help or that they're worried about it, mm-hmm. it probably implies that they're their periods are a problem for them. So I would just encourage you to go and speak to your doctor about different options that might be able to help you with your with managing your periods. Some yeah. of them might involve hormonal forms of contraception like we've been discussing today, but there might be other options. You don't have to have a form of
0: contraception to help your periods. Dr. Brooke, I feel like we've got through as many as we can. Thank you so much. Although we definitely, definitely need to do a follow-up from this because it's such a popular subject. And um, I feel like, yeah, people really need advice and help on it. So thank you. Um, thanks for coming. You coming back? You're, you've agreed? she's coming back on
1: absolutely I'd be delighted to yeah for sure
0: (laughs) (laughs) for you guys for sending your messages week after week your questions thank you so much Um, please if you have chance to rate, review, subscribe and give the podcast a little follow that would be amazing and also keep sending us in your suggestions for guests um, because we get a lot of our ideas from you guys actually so if you've got anyone that you want us to chat to please drop us a DM we're on at Made by Mamas and I'm on at Zoe Hardman and we'll be back on Tuesday Made by Mummers is an Insanity podcast production and today's episode was produced
1: by the lovely Charlotte Mason. Insanity Group.